0: Hello everyone and welcome to the October 7th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Floyd, Skern & Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal declined a request by an injured worker to have her workers compensation case transferred to the Superior Court. Here's what happened in the case of William v. Home Depot. April Williams, was employed by the Home Depot. In 2003, she was injured on the job. In 2005, the party signed a stipulation and awarded an award by which the Home Depot agreed to provide benefits and treatment in accordance with the opinions of the agreed medical examiner. After the stipulation, Williams received medical treatment, including surgeries. Later, Williams claimed she was forced to settle her claim. She made several appeals to the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board without success. She then filed a pro-per request for removal of her case to the Superior Court. Williams claimed in her civil action that the WCAB failed to require that she receive prompt and adequate medical treatment. She also claimed the WCAB allowed the Home Depot to hold her in involuntary servitude Williams asserted that removal of her pending workers' compensation matter to the Superior Court was necessary because she's mentally disabled. She also alleged that her requests to the WCAB for reasonable accommodation under the Americans with Disabilities Act were not granted, and hence she claims her due process and civil rights have been violated. Following a hearing, the Superior Court denied the request for removal, concluding that it has no jurisdiction over the matter. Williams, of course, appealed. The Court of Appeals sustained the dismissal in the unpublished case of Williams versus Home Depot. The Court of Appeals concluded that the trial court correctly ruled that it lacked jurisdiction to remove the workers' compensation matter to the Superior Court. Labor Code section 5955 says that no court of this state except the Supreme Court and the Court of Appeals have jurisdiction to review, reverse, correct, or annul any order, rule, decision, or award by the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board. Christy Ann Dove, medical doctor, is listed in the DWC database as a San Diego QME with specialties in pain medicine and neurology. The Medical Board of California issued Dr. Dove a physician's and surgeon's certificate in 1996. On August 27, 2013, an administrative law judge from the California Office of Administrative Hearings signed an interim order of suspension, which temporarily suspended her medical license. She was also immediately prohibited from practicing medicine in the state of California. In support of this order, Judge Meth found that allowing her to continue to practice medicine would endanger the public health, safety and welfare and that serious injury would result to the public before the matter could be heard on notice. No further details of the case were disclosed or available in public records. Dr. Dove was ordered to appear at a further hearing on September 16th to show cause why the interim order should not remain in full force and effect pending issuance of a final decision by the Medical Board of California. A continued order of suspension was signed by Judge Meth on September 20th following the September 16th hearing. She was further ordered to submit to a psychiatric examination to be conducted by a physician and surgeon approved by the Medical Board of California. Another hearing was scheduled for October 21st to review the status of the psychiatric examination. and. In regulatory news, the Division of Workers' Compensation has posted a 15-day notice of modification to the proposed utilization review and independent medical review regulations to the DWC website. The number of proposed changes are extensive. The following are some examples. The new proposed rules set forth the Revised Request for Authorization form emphasizing that it must be signed by the employees treating physician. There is a statement on the DWC form RFA that it is not a separately reimbursable report under the official medical fee schedule. One of the proposed changes that may be of concern to claim administrators is section 9792.9.1c2. Under this proposed language, a non-conforming request for authorization such as an incomplete form RFA or request that does not use the form must be returned to the requesting physician within three business days or else be considered as complete and subject to all applicable timeframes and requirements. These provisions would seem to place a substantial burden on claim administrators. A request for authorization hidden in any document forwarded by the APTP would have to be identified by reading carefully every single word in the document and then this obscure language would rise to the level of an official request for authorization unless the administrator objected in three days. It's difficult to see how a claims examiner with heavy caseload could possibly meet this burden. The proposed changes allow the IMR to consolidate two or more applications for independent medical review by a single employee for resolution in a single determination if the applications involve the same requesting physician and the same date of injury. And the new proposed regulations implement new procedures to impose sanctions. Upon receipt of credible information that the claims administrator has failed to comply with the IMR requirements, the administrative director shall issue an order to show cause for the assessment of administrative penalties. The proposed rules list specific violations and the amount to be assessed as an administrative penalty for each. The notice, text of the regulations and forms can be found on the proposed regulations page. And in medical news, a new study from Stanford University says that insurance companies across the United States pay doctors dramatically different amounts for the same routine office visits and services. Physicians at the high end get more than twice as much as those at the low end for the same service with little apparent reason for the difference. Unlike other healthcare cost studies, this one looked at actual reimbursement amounts to physicians and not the amount billed. Researchers analyzed more than 40 million claims for nearly a dozen types of services, ranging from five-minute checkups to comprehensive exams. The most common claim filed was for a problem-focused exam, lasting about 15 minutes with the patient the physician already knew. The lowest paid, 5% of doctors, received $47 or less for the visit, while the highest paid, 5%, received $86 or more. The average reimbursement amount was $63. For more complex yet identical office visits lasting longer and involving a new patient, the reimbursements ranged from $103 or or less to $257 or more. The price differences could not be explained by the patient's age or sex, the physician's specialty, or even the patient's insurance plan type. Researchers said but the point was that there is very little that can explain these price differences no matter what information you put into the model. There is not much rhyme or reason as to why the prices are what they are. Comparison shopping on cost isn't easy for the consumers because the information is not readily available to consumers. Companies trying to bring price information to the public include the San Francisco-based startup Castlight and Fair Health in New York City. As tech launches go, Obamacare has been pretty bumpy, if not downright a debacle according to most news reports. The federally run website was unresponsive for much of the week and only 4 or 15 exchange websites being run by states and the District of Columbia were working on the first day of the launch. In the days before the launch, insurers complained about errors in the premiums that shoppers would see online and certain functions had to be delayed because the software that determined eligibility remained a work in progress. Obama said, like every new law, there will be glitches we'll fix during a Rose Garden speech. California's online health insurance exchange witnessed sluggish access and spotty problems on the first day. But that didn't stop state officials from labeling it a historic day. For many, the array of plans and prices offered under Obamacare provide to be a welcome surprise, but others experienced sticker shock from significantly higher costs. The computer system that was designed to accommodate 2,000 concurrent users was getting 3,000, officials said, while the exchange's two operative call centers in in the state received nearly 9,000 calls by noon. But there were more problems. Users reported horrendously slow response times, with web pages sometimes never loading. Some of the problems mimicked those around the country. Washington state residents, going to their state-run exchange, were greeted with the words, connection refused. In Oregon, which is one of the country's 16 state-based exchanges, glitches also materialized. Visitors were told that online enrollment would be coming soon and that they could sign up to receive an email notification when it's available. California officials say they're taking steps to remedy these service issues. California has about 300 people answering calls now and it plans to add an additional 150 employees next month at a call center opening in Fresno. And in regulatory news, citing savings to the state, the DWC announced last month that the Goleta Workers' Compensation Appeals Board District Office will close and merge with the Oxnard office on November 30th. The last day that hearing will be the last day the hearing will be scheduled in Goleta will be Friday, November 29th. All cases currently in Goleta will be transferred approximately 45 miles south to the Oxnard District Office. The seven DWC employees in Goleta will also transfer to the Oxnard Office. The DWC claims that Goleta closure will consolidate resources and create savings for future DWC needs, including hiring. Oxnard has sufficient space to accommodate the Goleta staff who will begin work there on Monday, December 2nd. And the California Applicant Attorneys Association is not thrilled with the consolidation. It has called upon the DWC to reverse its decision. Cause says that the planned closure of the Goleta Workers Compensation Appeals Board will impose considerable hardship on injured workers. Jill Singer, Cost Central Coast Chapter President, says there's no public transportation that will get injured workers to Oxnard for 8:30 a.m. hearing. Newly elected cop President Jim Butler said that the closure would reduce injured workers' access to the state system. We call upon the DWC to reverse this decision or to follow its precedent in Palm Springs, Ukiah and Bishop by continuing to hold hearings on work injury cases in Goleta after closing its permanent office. Department of Industrial Relations Director Christine Baker says that 10 months after SB 863, there is evidence that the changes are taking hold. However, she adds that bad actors continue to find ways to game the system. Baker offered an update on Senate Bill 863 during the, workers, during the California Workers' Compensation and Risk Conference in Dana Point. The theme of this year's three-day conference was Surf's Up, clever. Navigating the waves of change and risk management, the conference included an expo several panels guests and speakers baker told the crowd it was too early to tell if some reforms were having an effect although immediate results were seen in the form of a 30 percent increase in permanent disability indemnity rates for workers phased in over two years and lean reform there were also significant front-end costs created by sb 863 which included the increased benefits for injured workers and the newly created independent medical review and bill review processes. Some believe that this may be the impetus for the WCARB decision to suggest a hike in rates on nearly, of nearly seven percent. Baker said, it's not clear the reforms prompted WCARB's decision. She said, it's possible the increased loss experience in workers' comp Maybe due to things getting closed more quickly. Baker said she believes there are already people attempting to find loopholes or to take advantage of any weaknesses in the system. She assumes there are some that are gaming the system. Despite the gaming, Baker said, there's evidence the IMR process is working. According to her, 73% of IMR applications have been denied. She said that IMR represents a major paradigm shift for the stakeholders in the workers' compensation community. Senate Bill 863 directs DWC's administrative director to adopt a physician fee schedule based upon the federal RBRVS used in the Medicare payment system. Thus... The DWC will begin using a Resource-Based Relative Value Scale or RBRVS-based Physician Fee Schedule in 2014. Christine Baker said that adopting a payment schedule based on the RBRVS will increase fairness and reimbursement across the spectrum of medical services, help to reduce disputes regarding the reasonable value of medical services, and improve injured workers' access to the most needed medical services," said Dr. Rupali Das, Executive Medical Director of the DWC. In the RBRVS-based system, relative value units interact with payment ground rules and the conversion factor to determine the maximum fee in light of the resources to provide the service. The earlier OMFS, Physician Fee Schedule, has not been updated with new codes and relative value units since 1999. This newly adopted fee schedule uses current procedure codes and relative values and provides a mechanism for annual updates to reflect changes in coding, practice patterns, and inflation. And in other news, the California Applicants' Attorneys Association announced that it has installed a new president and team of officers for the coming year. The incoming CA president is Jim Butler of butler Vidaro, a Bay Area applicant's law firm. He said his priorities would include correcting what he characterized as out of control utilization review, building strategic alliances with like-minded organizations to address workplace injuries, improving cause communication with its members and the outside world, and strengthening the rules of professional conduct as applicable to workers' compensation advocates, cause urging stronger standards for all parties and strengthening penalties for unreasonable delay and denial of recommended medical treatment and approved disability compensation. Butler was born in Compton, California, the son of an attorney who represented plaintiffs in pharmaceutical and malpractice and product liability cases. Cause leaders for 2013 and 2014 also include Larry Stern of Mallory and Stern as legislative chair, Bernardo Della Torre, Bert Arnold of Boxer and Gerson as Treasurer, and Crystal Schonelfelder of Rose Klein and Marius as Secretary. Well, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and drop by again next week for more news.